Let me tell you a little bit about Built Bar. Built Bar. I blame Stu on my fatness. On your fatness? Well, Mm -hmm. I I will say I did start at this job basically getting you sandwiches at Dunkin' Donuts. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much my first responsibility Mm -hmm. uh, many, Mm -hmm. many years ago now. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, And now I have, through several intermediaries introduced you to built bar first my wife mm-hmm. then she transferred mm-hmm. that information to your wife and then she harassed you for months and you ignored her and then eventually tried it out of desperation mm-hmm. because there's nothing left in the house to eat mm-hmm. 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 and that's when you were won over to built bar yes so that's and all you have to do is get glenn a piece of information yeah just line up like 14 relatives and and and, and then have them funnel the abandon me with no nothing to eat in the house <laughs> right. nothing, nothing except built bars and then i eat it and i'm like oh my gosh and then i continue to eat them and then they're really good and they're healthy for you they're healthy for you they're low in calorie low in carbs uh, and they're really great really great Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Save 15% off your first order. Use the promo code BEC15 at Built.com. Again, I just like to start the ad, uh, the hour with some positive news. Yes, Afghanistan is a humiliating defeat that may put into jeopardy our very superpower status. But it was a diverse group of people that pulled this debacle off, and I think in today's world, that's a win. Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin joins us in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. If you value your good name and all the things you've worked really hard for throughout your life, the prospect of having some cyber criminal come along and just help himself to your identity and whatever money you have that's in the bank is not only terrifying, it's offensive. It's kind of like if you had worked 20 years and spent all the hard work and money and blood to uh, make sure that one group of people didn't take over a country and uh, oppress the people. Uh, And then some guy just comes in and just flushes it down the toilet. I mean, it's terrifying, right? And offensive. But let's get back to cyber criminals. LifeLock is there because they understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting your life. Every day we put our information at risk on the Internet, and that's why cybercrime is so high. LifeLock will detect a wide range of identity threats, and because nobody can watch and, and catch everything today, they'll work with you to fix the problem if your data ends up getting compromised. Right now, you can join and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with the promo code BECK. That's LifeLock.com, promo code BECK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or head to LifeLock.com and use the promo code BECK for 25% off. Tomorrow night on Glenn TV. If you thought the worst of the pandemic was behind us, think again. The left is demanding more masks, more vaccine mandates, more lockdowns. But the fight for freedom was never over for small business. Glenn heads to ground zero for the battle against government control. 
California, where business owners aren't just fighting fines and regulations, they're fighting possible jail time. Watch Small Business Criminals tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Good friend um, and a, a legend, uh, in at least for me, a, a guy that is just one of the straightest arrows you will ever meet. Uh, he is now the executive vice president of the Family Research Council, who, uh, of course, we know, uh, thanks to the Southern Poverty Law Center, is a terrorist organization. Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. Hi, Jerry. How are you, sir? I'm well, Glenn. It's good to be with you. <laughs> good, to, good to talk to you again. Um, let's just start with your opening thoughts on Afghanistan and how this is gone. Uh, tragic. It's uh, reminiscent of uh, Saigon 1975. Mm. Uh, I am. Can I? May I, I say? May I don't yeah. mean to interrupt, General, but uh, Saigon. Everybody's comparing it to that, but no one was hanging on to the helicopters and then falling to their deaths in Saigon when we left. Well, clearly you are correct. In fact, the uh, the people in Saigon had close to two months to prepare for. What ultimately unfolded there on, I think, about the 15th of April. So you're right. I say it is reminiscent of Saigon. We haven't seen that kind of thing. It it, it marks a number of things. First of all, it marks uh, uh, the end of, of this war that America has lost. And that is a hard thing for me to say, but we have lost here. Uh, and we need to accept that and understand that. And we need to understand that there's plenty of blame and criticism to go around going all the way back to the Bush administration here because we we really fouled this thing up when we took our eye off the ball after we'd completed our objectives there uh, with the exception of capturing or killing bin Laden we then turned everything over to NATO and NATO will not fight that's just a simple thing I mean all you have to do is uh, talk to people that have been in different situations, and I'm one of those people where NATO has been on the ground, NATO's been responsible, and the NATO countries do not fight. They, they come with national caveats that prevent them from fighting. So what we did is we lost our focus, turned to uh, Iraq, and uh, left it in the hands of NATO. We should have pulled out probably in January of uh, 2002 because Jeez. we had achieved our objectives and uh, then we got into nation building and when we got into nation building and we turned it over to nato we just took our eye off the ball and uh, now we see the results of that uh, and I, I i am very saddened by it uh this is worse than what happened in saigon you're right but uh, it is reminiscent uh, for a generation that was not here during that period when i mean we are on the edge of losing our superpower status, are we not? I mean, Russia and China, China's m mocking us right now with Taiwan. Uh, and I think they're right. I think they're right. Uh, well, I think they're right, too. And that may be the biggest loss in this whole thing. It may not be just the loss of the war. It may be the loss of our credibility as a, as an ally. Listen, don't think for one minute that China and Russia are not uh, licking their lips. And at the same time, Taiwan and the Ukraine are, are very, very worried because we have demonstrated just how reliable we are not. 
I comes down to it. I have never in my lifetime seen our allies uh, come out as they have. I mean, some of our allies didn't like Donald Trump and they would make, you know, remarks here and there. But not like this. Our allies now all over the NATO nations, they're all saying the same thing. What does this mean? We can't trust that America is going to have our back anymore. I mean, we betrayed all of those people that went in with us. Did we not? We did indeed. And remember, we had a NATO coalition there, which I was talking about earlier when we just finally turned everything over to them and we went to Iraq. We, we had a NATO coalition there, as, and, and by NATO charter, an attack on one is an attack on all, and those nations were uh, obliged to pony up uh, troops to go into Afghanistan and, uh, and fight with us there in Afghanistan. And again, I'll come back and tell you that my experience with them in the Balkans and in other places is the NATO countries come with caveats from their own government that tells them exactly what their rules of engagement are, and they're never consistent with the rules of engagement that are established to be able to win in the environment, and that's what we turned it over to, people who would not fight, and, uh, and, and that was a huge mistake, but there's plenty of blame to go around to include going all the way back to the Bush administration when they, when they did lose their focus and they pulled everything out and went to uh, Iraq uh, just as we were uh, actually achieving our objectives there in Afghanistan. Uh, with the exception of bin Laden, uh, we could have pulled out of there in, in January and uh, and have left behind uh, the right small forces to include intelligence capabilities, a counterterror operation, uh, some trainers, advisors, and then finally some some uh, people to secure the embassy there. We could have we could have left them all behind in uh, a very small element and sustain that for an indefinite period of time. Uh, but more in an advisory and counterterror role than anything else, and we didn't. How, how? We stayed there in major forces, and until finally, a bad decision was made by the Obama administration to tell them what we were going to do, and then turn around and pull out precipitously uh, before the even the Iraqis were prepared. So. Um, can you can you help me out on why we would build a billion dollar embassy? And a gigantic air force base with all kinds of strategic um, uh, capabilities and advantages, and then just walk away with it, including some drones and some Blackhawks and everything else. Why would we do that? Yeah, uh, I I will tell you that my my assessment is, and this I hope this doesn't sound like sour grapes, but I think we got uh, in the Obama administration. That we got some, uh, we got some really uh, bad leadership into our military, at all levels and all services. We got some bad leadership there, and then we also got some some very bad leadership over in the State Department. Uh, and I think that the combination of, of of what started under the Bush administration, there were some bad ones in the Bush administration, mm-hmm. but that just increased during the Obama administration and. And uh, actually, Trump was about to clean it up when he uh, when he left. But don't don't forget, Trump did uh, actually say that he was going to be out of there by May. The difference is that Donald Trump was flexible enough to see what was going on, to listen to 
his advisors, those that uh, he knew that he could trust in terms of how to deal with what was going on. And I think he would have uh, he would have taken a step back and have uh, probably uh, developed a different timeline for this. And he would have responded when he saw the Taliban was going to uh, to, yeah. to do what they were doing. I think he would have gone in there with uh, with some pretty heavy firepower and uh, oh. and fought that back. Oh yeah, I, I, I there's let them do that. Yeah, there's no way Donald Trump would not have been humiliated and let the United States be humiliated. He if if that thing was coming undone, you know and I know he would have unleashed hell on the Taliban. Yeah. He may not have changed the dates of, of leaving or anything else, but he certainly wouldn't be making phone calls to the school district in Fort Worth on Saturday, congratulating them on their tough stand on masks. That wouldn't have happened. He would have been engaged. Yeah, well, what's happened to uh, this country since Donald Trump left? This whole idea of putting America first is has is, is become something that we are supposed to be ashamed of. But Donald Trump made us proud to be Americans. Uh, and and he, he did exactly what he believed in, and he did what he said he was going to do. I disagreed with him uh, one time, and I said so publicly in the media, and that was when he pulled the uh, U.S. forces out of North East uh, Syria when the Turks um, announced mm-hmm. that they were going to invade that area, and I and I went to see his national security advisor and and uh, his chief of staff, and I sat down and talked to him and said, "Look, I, I understand this whole idea of having to write letters home to American families because I've done it, and it's very painful. But the difference between that and Donald Trump's responsibility, I was there when they died, I was with them when they died, and that makes it even more difficult." But don't, don't do this. Don't compromise. Don't leave the Kurds uh, up there uh, unguarded. Un- yeah. Don't leave them there with no allies at all. And uh, and that was the one thing that I disagreed with him on. But look, he you talk about uh, allies. I don't care what people think about uh, NATO and Donald Trump. They respected Donald Trump. He is the only guy that would stand up there before them and say, pay your side, pay your bill, pay up, pay your portion of what it costs to run NATO. And uh, that was supposed to be the end of our relationship with NATO. But what did they do? They paid up. They paid up. And uh, and I think that they actually respected Donald Trump, regardless of what they may have said about him. I think that there were uh, NATO nations that wished that their leader was like that. And look... This guy has built uh, relationships in the world today that uh, I think are, uh, everything that he had built is probably destroyed now just with this whole thing that's going on in uh, Afghanistan. I've never seen, I mean, you're seeing big officials from England and all over the world uh, just saying this was a nightmare and we can't trust anymore. Um, can you hang on just a second? Let me take a one minute break. and. The Pentagon can't say if it it plans to keep U.S. weapons out of the hands of the Taliban. What have we given them and what should we be doing? More in just a second with uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. If your phone service is through one of the big mobile carriers, I want you to consider a few things. First, what if you could get service, meaning service on the same cell towers, for a whole lot less, like 
half the cost. Um, how about if you could get that cheaper cost and have better customer service while you're at it and the same coverage? Finally, what if you could get that cheaper cost for the same service, the same coverage with better customer service and know that instead of helping them fund Planned Parenthood, which is something Verizon continues to do, you would be helping fund a company that is standing up and fighting for American causes, standing up and fighting for the First and Second Amendment. If that sounds pretty good to you, then go to PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. It is time to hang together, or as Franklin said, we will all hang separately. Get free activation with the offer code BECK. They also have special discounts for veterans and first responders. So support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares our traditional values. It's patriotmobile.com slash BECK. 972-PATRIOT. patriotmobile.com slash BECK. 10-second station ID. So we have left all kinds of people behind. We have left all kinds of military equipment behind that they now have. It is obscene. Um, and Biden, while he said yesterday, ah, buck stops here, he blamed it on everybody, including the Afghan people who he said will not fight. But they have lost 69,000 people in this fight. Uh, that's, you know, that's more than we lost in Vietnam and they are not the size of America during the Vietnam years by any stretch of the imagination. Is it that they wouldn't fight? Is it that we wouldn't provide air cover? What happened? Yeah, listen, uh, we need to understand that what makes America America's uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines fight the way they do, and they've done a good job, is they have a, they take an allegiance to a constitution that means something to them, to a constitution that goes back, you know, to the very beginnings of this nation, and that, and that uh, alone uh, helps to bring about a camaraderie that puts them in a situation where they're fighting for a nation. They're fighting for their families. They're fighting for the future of their children and their grandchildren. You go back and look at the Taliban, or not Taliban, but the Afghans, they're a tribal society. Right. Their allegiance is to the local tribal chief. And when you try to make a country out of them, and by the way, Glenn, they started out writing a constitution for the Afghans. They started it with the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. Well, that ought to tell you something right there, that we don't know what we're doing. And that mm. for them, what that's saying is, therefore, Sharia will be the law of the land. And uh, we, we are to blame for that kind of nonsense. But they don't fight because the Taliban is actually uh, organized and motivated by an ideology, a theology that they believe in very much as to what their responsibilities are under the banner of Islam. And they are motivated by that. Uh, but the, the, you know, the uh, army that we trained and left behind there, the Af Afghan national forces, 
uh, they're still tribal. They're still their allegiance is still to the tribe, and they're not fighting for the country. It doesn't exist, right? So, um, whose whose failure is this? Uh, is it the intelligence? Um, is it the Pentagon? Or did they tell did they tell the president everything they needed he needed to know? I mean, he's making it sound like no, that's not what they said. They didn't say that this would fall apart. And uh, listen, Glenn, I I know you know Scotty Miller uh, very very well. Scotty was one of my Delta Force guys, and I know that Scotty Miller gave him advice not to do what he was doing, and others others gave him the same advice. The problem is he's got these uh, Harvard and Yale and and. Uh, all these graduates from some of these finest Ivy League universities that are uh, part of his cabinet, part of his advisory team, part of his national security element there, and they they have not a clue what Afghanistan or any other country like that is, what, how it's composed of the tribal nature and structure. They have no idea, and they are giving him bad advice at the same time that uh, some of his generals are trying to tell him, wait a minute, slow down, back up, let's let's do this right. And he has ignored that. He's blown that off because his advisors, like uh, his Secretary of Defense and his Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, have been uh, sycophants as far as I am concerned, and they have nodded and said, yes, this will work, Mr. President. And then, you know, you look at the doggone uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, when he was testifying before the Armed Services Committee, and he's talking about white rage, and he's talking about what makes people go to the uh, Capitol and breach the Capitol. That has nothing to do with the military. Nothing. I didn't, in 36 and a half years, I never saw white rage. By statute, General Milley is supposed to be the advisor to the president on all things military. Breaching that capital had nothing to do with the military. So why are you spending your time, instead of thinking about the readiness of our military and white rage, as far as I'm concerned, it is a non-issue for the military. So Luke. he needs some new leadership in the Pentagon. Well, they're not coming. They all felt that they did a great job. Uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, thank you so much, sir, for all of your service and best of luck at the Family Research Council. Uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. Find him at frc.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, it was Lisa. It all comes down again to Stu. Stu and his wife. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're talking about Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. And Bill Barr, what, this did come mm-hmm. from my wife, who mm-hmm. discovered these long before she you. She turned my wife onto them. And then your wife... Was lecturing me for about a year. And you ignored her. I did. And then... She, because she said, it's a protein bar, it's really good for you. Right. I'm not going to eat that. No, you ignored she, her completely. I mean, she should have known better. Until there was no food in the house. Now, you yeah. always say I was left with no food in the house. I think what that means is you ate all the food in the house. And well, then, no, I was left and my wife left and she 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 knows how much I eat. And she didn't She only left it. enough for what? 
six weeks. So you were a couple right. days. She was in. gone for three days, <laughs> and uh, so there was nothing in the house except these built bars. And I was like, uh, uh. so you tried them, and they were amazing. And it was like eating an almond joy without the almonds. So I think that would be a mouse. It, it, they're amazing. They're amazing. <laughs> Try the nine different flavors. They're healthy, low cal, low carb. Built.com. Use Beck fifteen and get fifteen percent off your order. Built.com. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck program. There is a guy who's been on the program before. Um, he is somebody who's just, I mean, a giant mentally. First of all, he won in 93, won the bodybuilding championship. Uh, as a teenager, and you're like, okay, he's a muzzlehead. Then he went on to receive his BA and his MA in history. Um, then uh, uh, dual minors in philosophy and lit- literature. Um, he also studied uh, closely with Victor Davis Hansen, uh, graduate courses at Georgetown University. Um, he uh, also studied medieval Islam and Semitic languages at Catholic University of America, serves as the Arabic language and regional specialist at the uh, Near East section of the Library of Congress, where he uh, informs a lot of people um, that are in the know and uh, government officials. He also often functions as a journalist, has uh, been a media fellow at the Hoover Institution, um, news analyst for CBN News and others. Uh, he produces a monthly report, Muslim Persecution of Christians, which is why I wanted to bring him on now. Um, he is chronicling day to day the abuses and slaughters of Christians throughout the Islamic world, and no one is really paying attention to what is going on. I wanted to uh, bring him on. Uh, it's Raymond Ibrahim. He is the author of Sword and Scimitar and a distinguished senior fellow at Gatestone Institute. Raymond, welcome. Hi, Glenn. Very good to be with you again. Yeah, good to talk to you again. Um, I am concerned with what's going on in uh, Afghanistan. You know, I, I don't know if you're aware, but I started the Nazarene Fund a few years ago. Uh, with ISIS, and we have been going in and trying to free the women and children that have been made slaves and anyone that is persecuted because they're a minority, a religious minority. Um, we've been trying to get them out, and now I think we've got a whole new country to look at. Can you tell me what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Afghanistan, even before what happened recently, was uh, is widely considered the uh, absolute worst Muslim nation in the world insofar as its treatment of uh, minorities, specifically Christian minorities. Uh, so if you look at um, Open Doors, International Human Rights Organization, they publish their world watch list annually of the top 50 worst nations. Um, habitually, of course, it's dominated by Muslim nations for obvious reasons, but the top 10 are top 10 nations are the absolute worst and two or three of them are not Islamic. And usually the first worst nation in the world is North Korea. Um, but then the second worst nation and the first Muslim nation is Afghanistan. And so you can imagine with what's happening right now, it's going to get uh, significantly worse for any sort of believer in that area. 
Um, in, in fact, here's a little quote from the World Watch list about Afghanistan. It says, quote, it is impossible to live openly as a Christian in Afghanistan. Leaving Islam is considered shameful. Christian converts face dire consequences if their new faith is discovered. Either they have to flee the country or they will be killed. And that's uh, so. And now with this new resurgent, emboldened uh, Islamist mentality, uh, you can be sure that it's going to get significantly worse for any uh, Christian living in that nation or even nearby. Raymond, can you help us out on the one question that is kind of a nagging question and I don't understand it at all? And that is, why did the Afghani people not put up any kind of fight? What 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 happened there? <laughs> well, um, I would say that uh, you know it. There's what we are told, and this actually, what I'm saying right now, actually comports very well with so many other things that we talk about in the West and America and so forth. But there's what the media tells us. There's what the analysts and the experts tell us. And then there's the reality. And um, the people on the ground in Afghanistan and in these countries, they don't really care for the Western, uh, uh, for, for, for the things that the West cherishes. Okay, the things uh, that we say are, 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 you know, the cornerstone of Western culture, let's say uh, uh, gender equality, for one example, uh, or, or, you know, eliminating the patriarchy. These are things that have existed, uh, not just in Afghanistan and not just because of Islam. I would say Islam actually reinforces so many of these primordial tendencies of, well, let's say, patriarchalism and so forth, not creates it. It actually just it's, it reinforces it. So they go way back, these ideas in places like Afghanistan. And when you just go there and as the U.S. government actually did, especially increasingly in, in more recent years, uh, try to import, you know, <laughs> I don't know to what degree, but it sounds like to a large degree they were trying to import woke culture as well. None of that's going to fly with any Afghani at all because they're just not part of that culture and they might have you know to an extent in, the, in as much as the america was in there and they were trying to work with it they played along but once it became in, imminent that the u.s is leaving and so forth all you know the charade just came off the mask came off and it was right back to the way it was and before and that's the idea you know this whole nation building and trying to import democracy to cultures that simply uh you know have it doesn't resonate with at all for a myriad myriad reasons um, that's why it fails. And after two decades and all the money and blood and treasure that's been spent, that's why we are where we are. So, um, because I heard Tucker Carlson last night talk about how, you know, we were teaching all these woke principles. Um, and, uh, you know, th- these are principles that don't sit well with half the population over here. Has this made them uh, turn to an Islamist even harder or is it just is it just like i don't care just not these guys anymore i would argue the former um historically wherever the west in any way shape or form retreats or is perceived to be weak it has actually immensely exacerbated the idea of radical islam so if you go back to let's say the colonial era in the you know 19th century mid 19th century and early 20th century um where the, where today we would describe America or not America's actions, mostly Europe's European action in the Middle East and the Islamic world as very negative. It was toxic masculinity. It was not multicultural. It was, you know, our way or the highway. That's how Europeans more or less came about. 
that actually, believe it or not, and, you know, putting aside all judgments worked and Muslims didn't feel resentful. They didn't, they actually tried to catch up and they saw it as the winning way. And we have to be part of that culture. And that's why you saw the hijab go away. Um, it's ironic today, you know, 21st century, you see the hijab and the burqas and all and that. Uh, but when you go back to the 1800s and you look at pictures of women in the Middle East and Egypt, Afghanistan and, and uh, Syria and these countries, they actually look like Western women. So they were actually trying to emulate. But in as much as the West starts to retreat, start to say our ways are bad, our history is awful, your way, Islam, is wonderful. And that actually isn't seen as, oh, you're being polite. Let me try to reciprocate. It's actually seen as admission of weakness and it emboldens and it makes Muslims go back to their own Way And that's why you see today in the 21st century, um, a large segment of the Muslim population trying to emulate the 7th century Muslims, the pure mm. jihadists of Muhammad's time. And so, yeah, there's definitely a symbiotic relationship with Western weakness and Islamic aggression. And I think with what happened in Afghanistan, you're going to see that again. So I read the story this morning about a, a woman who is a mayor of a small uh, town and the Taliban has come in and she said, I'm just waiting for them to come and take me and kill me. Uh, and she said, there's no place for me to go. Um, and so I'm just waiting. Um, the Taliban has said, Oh no, 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 we're, we're no, we're not like that anymore. Do you, does any sane person believe that to be true? No, but the problem is we ha- we're lacking insanity um, to a large extent, especially when it comes to you know our leaders and our betters. For what for whatever reason, they just don't want to think according to same principles. And it's even worse than that. Um, reports came out around the, uh, August 11th, a week ago, of the Taliban going door to door and forcibly taking girls as young as 12 to be their sex slaves, to be their wives. And again, so you see, it's it's all back. It's just amazing, you know, 20 years of that and this most powerful nation and all the money that's spent and all the blood and all that. And then we are not just back to where we were, I would argue, to an even worse spot. And and it all has to do with a very myopic Western worldview, which is, okay. look, we killed the bad guys. We got rid of the bad guys. Let's say Osama bin Laden and remember Mullah Omar. And now we've, you know, we've set up a a, a government and obviously they're all going to want to be like us because, this is the natural culmination. And see, I think this is what they don't understand. In order to reach a, a good sort of Western democracy and, and the principles that we have, you have to have a bedrock before that. You can't just import it on, you know, a surface of Islam or tribalism. And our bedrock would be, I would argue, something like Judeo-Christian principles. And that's why you can build um, what we essentially built. And but because they don't see that, and they actually, and when you say that, oh my God, that's the worst thing. Judeo-Christian principles, oh, that's you're being, you know, uh, whatever, triumphalist, uh, and, and so forth. And so without that, you see what's happening. They bring the package without the found the groundwork being laid, and the end result is what we see, and what we always keep seeing. We're talking to uh, Raymond Ibrahim, uh, uh, who is an expert on the Middle East. Um, what is coming our way? do you think, because of this collapse? Oh, I would argue, well, it's funny because I remember almost 20 years ago, you know, Ayman Zawahri, who was the second at the time of Al-Qaeda, and he's currently the, the head of Al-Qaeda since Osama bin Laden died. But I remember when Osama bin Laden, ever, about three years after the invasion of Afghanistan, some reporters, CNN, asked him, uh, Ayman Zawahri, what's, you know, what happened? Where's Osama bin Laden? Where's Mullah Omar? We don't hear about him. 
And what he said is, it was very telling, I'll give you the quote. He said to them, jihad in the path of Allah is greater than any individual organization. It's a struggle between truth and falsehood until Allah Almighty inherits the earth. Then he said, Mullah Omar and Sheikh Osama bin Laden are merely two soldiers, two soldiers of Islam in the journey of jihad, but the struggle continues for all time. And so you see there's that patience where it looked like they lost, they stepped back now, but look, they're winning. Even though those two guys are not there, uh, Mullah Omar and, and Sheikh Osama bin Laden, and Ayman Zawahri will come and go. Muhammad himself, the prophet, came and died, but the jihad goes on. So, And they're already saying this. Uh, uh, just recently, a uh, leader said, it's our belief that one day the Mujahideen will have victory and Islamic law will come not just to Afghanistan. He just said this a couple of days ago but all over the world. We are not in a hurry. We believe it will come day. Jihad will not end until the last day. So you see, it's this, it's this patience mentality that we're dealing with while we usually just, you know, sit and look at these little myopic sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, milestones uh, that in the end just don't amount to much. <sighs> Raymond, um any suggestion on where we should go from here? And, and, and I mean, as a people, not as a government, um, you know, we're, this audience is very involved in um, rescuing people in the Middle East and all over the world that uh, especially women and children that are found in these situations. And we want to help all uh, persecuted minorities um, yeah. get to safety any suggestion on on what we should be looking towards or how we can help well the first thing of course is to have to be armed with adequate knowledge and i know you are and i'm assuming most of your audiences but to be to understand that you know we're talking about something like christian persecution or religious persecution of minorities in general when you come to understand that it is overwhelmingly the lion's share of that phenomenon is being uh, dealt out at the hands of muslims and, it, and, and the fact that it's hap it happens in sub-Saharan Muslim Africans, Nigeria, where you have a genocide of Christians. It happens, of course, in East Asia, Pakistan, even though in Malaysia, Indonesia, and of course, the heart of the Muslim world all throughout North Africa, Middle East, Turkey, mm -hmm. Iran. When you understand that, I think you start to realize there's an ideology behind this, and it's important to get you know our heads wrapped around that ideology and understand it's not going anywhere anytime soon it's been around 14 centuries you don't have to say every muslim believes this or every muslim is out to do this to understand that you do have this core in yeah. there doing that and it needs to be eventually excised in order to put an end to what's happening people need it's to understand the form. difference between a muslim and an Isl and an islamicist uh, right. That is the real problem, and we refuse to name it. Raymond Ibrahim, uh, thank you so much. We'll talk again, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Len. What distinguishes a truly great real estate agent from merely an adequate one, or worse, a bad one? Well, here's one tip, and this is an easy one. If your real estate agent is like, hi, this is my first house, and uh, I know you're my uncle, but just uh, trust me, we're going to get this all taken care of. That would be a very bad one. Uh, don't, don't uh, just take your biggest investment in your life and hand it over to somebody who isn't the very best. All right. So how do you find the very best? Well, that's where realestateagentsitrust.com comes in. If you are moving across town, across the street, or across the country, we can find the right real estate agent 
to sell your house and to buy your new house and to make sure that it's done right and that it is the most cost effective transaction and smoothest transaction you can find. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. You just tell us where you're moving uh, from or where you're buying. We can help you on both ends, and we'll find the best real estate agent in that area. The, somebody that we think is, uh, it just has all of the attributes that we're looking, uh, looking for in a real estate agent personally. Somebody who listens, somebody who has a great track record of getting it done, and somebody who is on your side. It's not just another transaction to them. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a free service to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. We have a fantastic guy coming on next. We've been talking just recently about how we were teaching the Afghans to be woke. Uh, Well, we don't like it. Can you imagine what that society feels about it? Well, a guy who is taking on Woke Inc. joins us next. Why he is blowing up on how corporate America is poisoning our society. Why is he speaking out? Oh, he's speaking out like no one else. Next. Next.